Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Jam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan! Jam! Slam! Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Another week, no shortage of sports topics to cover. Before we get into a little bit of that, little uh, request for some prayers for former teammate of Ryan's and a friend uh, of the family, uh, Matt Zanstra, injured in a serious accident over the weekend. Our thoughts and prayers for him for a miraculous recovery. I know it's not necessarily looking good, but we're praying for you, buddy, and hoping that you pull through. Um, all we got in life sometimes is hope, and, and you got hope on your side, so get well. All right, plenty of that went on. I mean, we've got Baseball playoffs, both mine and Ryan's picks are already out. We had a Rays, Brewers, World Series, and they both lost in, I think it was four games over the mm-hmm. weekend. You got Dodgers-Giants coming down to a game five. Um, still some classic teams left there. There'll be some good baseball to watch here later on in the month. NBA preseason, NHL preseason, they're starting to come to a head. We got regular season starting. We've got college basketball starting November 10th. We're going to be switching up to around the world from four downs next week. No, that doesn't mean we're going to go away from football content, but we are going to start to probably preview the Big Ten basketball season in college basketball because as much as we love college football, college basketball is just a smidge ahead as the greatest sport that there is. Um, But yeah, plenty to talk about, plenty to get to in the podiums, couple things to throw flags at. Um, lots of college football talk, a great golf course review, so let's get to it. Ryan, the podium is yours. Yeah, um, shocking development this weekend. The Lions lost again. Um, but after the game, that's what, what I really want to talk about. Dan Campbell um, and his press conference after the game, very emotional. Tears were shed. Um, just an emotional, wear, wear your heart on the sleeve kind of guy. Um, I think that's why... His players love him, um, just his emotion, his passion for the game of football and for the Lions, uh, which is really good to see. But I think I just want to talk about this because this is different than any other. Someone actually cares that's coaching the Lions. It's not some throwaway thing where they're like, oh, it's just another loss, whatever. It's a losing franchise. This guy cares. Um, he's trying to right the ship. He's got a lot a lot on his hands. Um to fix, and this is just the beginning, showing emotion um, and trying to get these guys a few wins. I mean, they've been so close, just they lose every time, finding new ways each and every week, it seems like, but I'm I'm happy with the way that he handled 
that loss. I mean, some might be like, oh, he's a baby, he's crying. But he cares. It shows that he cares about the franchise, cares about his players, um, cares about the football team, which is really good. Um, hopefully that will continue, and hopefully in the next couple of years it can help create a really good culture that changes changes Detroit and makes them better um, and gets them to a, be a semi-winning team. I won't say winning team, but hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, it's got to start from somewhere and, and having a coach who cares and shows his players that he cares. I think that's a good starting point for the Lions. For me, yeah, you all loved when I used to do this, kind of when we were in between seasons and we didn't have a whole lot of sports going on and it was really easy for me to get after woke culture, cancel culture. Well, we're back because it struck again. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't condone whatever it was that John Gruden said. I'm sure it was probably not that great, certainly, but it was 10 years ago. I guarantee you, because we are humans and therefore we are all sinners, there is not one of us on the face of this earth that doesn't have something that, if unearthed, could get us in trouble with jobs, friends, what have you. I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm exhausted with this woke cancel culture. You say you're sorry, you forgive the guy, and you move on. You want to put him through counseling or something? Fine. If his team wants to quit on him, that's a different story. We'll see that on the field. But they're professionals, and if they quit on him, then shame on them. They shouldn't be professional football players. And it's not, you fill in the blank, it could be anybody. It could be Herm Edwards. It, it doesn't matter if they're white, black, male, female, misogynistic comments, anti-gay, racist. There's no place for that. I get it. But you want to unearth and usurp somebody's career over something emailed 10 years ago? Take care of it then. Don't wait until now just because it's the fashionable thing to do. It's disgusting, NFL. And I have zero respect for those who brought this to light now not 10 years ago. If it's egregious now, why in the hell wasn't it egregious 10 freaking years ago? Get over yourselves, learn how to forgive people, and move the F on. I'm tired of it. And that's why you'll never get a dollar of my ticket money. And you don't get much of my TV watching eyeballs and money. Because you're a bunch of BS, follow the trends, go after guys, witch hunt. It's crap, it's garbage, I'm freaking tired of it. All right, we got two personal fouls this week. I'm going to throw one flag and give you the why real quick, and then Ryan's got another one for you. We love him here. We talked about him on the podcast way back, I believe it was like in February or March with our boy Polo. But come on, Coach Few, you got to know better. You can't get a DUI and get suspended for a game. I mean, I guess it's against Dixie State, so like you're going to lose. I know, I get it. But you just you can't put yourself in that position. People. There's Ubers, there's Lyft, there's cabs, there's whatever. There's ways to avoid getting in trouble like this. Let's make smarter decisions. So i got to throw a flag on Coach View. Yeah, the second flag we're going to throw, uh, it's on the Iowa fans. Uh, this past weekend they were booing Penn State players when they were injured in the field. I mean, some of them maybe looked like fake injuries. Some, I mean, I just saw on Twitter a couple of them are season ending, so you're booing guys that might be done with football for their careers. And Kurt France is like, "Oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, whatever. We do that here. Like, what? 
what what is that saying? You're, I mean, I get that maybe sometimes guys fake injuries to slow stuff down, kill tempo, but I mean that's just terrible sportsmanship. That's not what we want to do. Rooting for guys to get injured, booing them. I mean, let the refs uh, figure that out. They did against in the Michigan State Western Kentucky game was the first game I can ever remember. Yep. The refs threw a personal foul on sportsmanlike conduct flag on a on a Western Kentucky player for faking injury. That's their job. Let them watch it and call for it. It's mm-hmm. not our fan is our job as fans to boo and assume that every time our tempo is disrupted, that a guy is is just faking it. You know, never mind. He may have torn an ACL or an Achilles. I remember. It wasn't it Michigan fans that were clapping when Felton Davis, Davis tore, tore his ACL, and that was at or his Achilles, and that was at Michigan State. Yeah. I mean, come on, people, put yourself in that situation. What if it was you, and what if it was your son? Get the hell over yourselves. I got a real problem with people these days. Maybe I'm just gonna go live in a cave. All right, our last week was four downs, and again, we're not giving up on football because this is just heating up with a great week that was last week. But we'll do four downs, and then next week we'll get into around the world just to give us another spot to talk about some things. Um, so we'll start, as we always do, with a Big Ten review. <clears throat> you know, not as many games last week, certainly more league games. Um, you know, we had what? We had Illinois, Wisconsin. So we had um, Bielema trying to get a shot at Wisconsin. Wisconsin got themselves right. Um, 24 nothing shutout. Pretty much just ground and pound, that's all they did. They didn't even really rely on an air game. Just willed Illinois into submission. Um, not No real surprise with that one. Ryan, you want to talk about Iowa and Penn State? Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a really good game. Um, sucks that Clifford got hurt for Penn State. Don't know the extent of that injury, if it's going to be long-term. Um, Roberson, the backup, did not look great um, at all when he was playing. I mean, I think he was like 30% passing, 30 yards. He was a good runner, but yeah, I think if he's out long-term, that's an issue um, for Penn State. Um, But yeah, Iowa, I mean, their defense just keeps stepping up, interception after interception after interception. Um, They are the real deal. That's why they're the number two team in the country. Um, Spencer Petrus, whatever the hell. Ten in the last two games. Yeah. Petrus or whatever, he's not good, but they can rely on their ground game and defense, and they're going to get a lot of wins, especially in the Big Ten West. Um, and then they already have, I mean, I think all their tough crossovers are done now. Yeah, so they don't have much. I mean, Nebraska's probably left. their toughest game. They, they do have to go to Wisconsin, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a win for them. Um, so, yeah, I was looking really good. Penn State, I think their defense is definitely for real. Um, they're, I mean, they're, gonna st- they're still in the run for the East, obviously. I mean, they have to win out. Um, control their own destiny, but uh, yeah, another really good football team. I think the West obviously is a four-team team race there uh, with Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, East, Penn State. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it should be interesting coming down here the last half of the season. Yeah, another good game that was in the Big Ten last weekend, Nebraska-Michigan. Um, another heartbreaker for Nebraska. I mean, I just the look on Scott Frost's face when Martinez fumbled again, as we talked about on this podcast. A couple weeks ago, he is a walking turnover in Big Ten games, and he had a couple of critical ones, none more critical than a fumble. When they were a little bit on the move um, there, you know, with a chance to take the lead in the Michigan game, um, you know, the defense held up, they held him to a field goal, and then he couldn't get it done inside of, you know, a minute 20 or so to go. But, I mean, you know, some of it, okay, I'll put on Frost coaching-wise, but he had his guys prepared. He had a couple of great play calls. 
fake an option pitch to a tight end and then leak him out down the middle of the field uncovered. I mean, expose some holes, I think, in Michigan's defense. But, I mean, the exasperated look says it all. You know, if you can't rely on your playmaker, your number one player, to to not make a critical game-changing mistake at critical junctions game after game. I mean, he's a senior, a fifth-year senior. I believe he's played and started most of his five years there. I mean, you think about that's a lot of Big Ten games. They play nine Big Ten games a year. I mean, he's upwards of now last year wasn't the same, but he's you know he's going to be upwards of 40 Big Ten games in his career, and probably when it's all said and done, he's going to have at least 40 turnovers in those games. I mean, Nebraska really probably should have won the way that they were playing. They they had a good game plan. You know, they they kind of made Michigan throw, and Michigan did a good job with that. I, I you know I was impressed with Michigan's adjustments. I thought that uh, you know we saw a little bit more through the air than we've seen with them. Um, you know, Haskins and Quorum are a really good one-two punch. Michigan did lose, I think, both of their starting guards potentially for some starting, you know, for some significant time. Um, you know, that's never a good thing when you've had good offensive line continuity. I don't know what kind of rotation that they play with, but <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> as I battle a cold. Um, but I just, I mean, I, I actually felt for for ne- Scott Frost in Nebraska at the end of that game because I'm like. I can't even, I mean, I don't know how tough it is to be a Michigan State fan, but I cannot imagine just sitting there and waiting, not if, but when is Martinez going to screw it up for you. Um, I, I feel for the kid, too, because obviously he's not trying to turn it over. But that was an example. Was, he was trying to make an extra effort to gain an extra half a yard when it was meaningless. It was un, He had already gotten the first down. Two hands on the ball, go down, live to play another down. Um, you're not going to be a hero and break out of that pile, dude. I just, I mean, I feel for Nebraska. The good good thing for them is that they're playing well. You know, they got Minnesota this week, and then they've got Purdue. But they've got Ohio State still, and they've got Iowa still. And, I, you know, I don't know. It's going to be tough for them to get the six wins and get to a bowl game. And, yep. and you know, maybe Frost deserves a chance. Maybe he doesn't. I read a really great article in The Athletic today about, you know, the, how the whole – thing went down when they fired Solich. If you're an athletic follower, find that article is really good, really interesting about how they kind of really screwed that whole thing up. And they've just been searching ever since Osborne left and really since they got rid of Solich. And, you know, you want a guy that was with the program like Frost to be the guy, but I don't know if he's going to want it at the end of all of this. I mean, I just, I, I, I felt for the guy, but, you know, that, that said, I mean, next Big Ten, Big Ten game that we had on the docket that Ryan let's talk about. Uh, have you talk about Maryland and Ohio State? Yeah, didn't catch much of it uh, due to the Michigan State game, but Ohio State looks like a so team score. That's all. It's playing desperately. Um, they they have no room for error. Um, they need to be impressive, and they have been impressive the last couple games. I mean, blowing teams out, scoring at will. Stroud's playing a lot better. He seems to be growing in confidence. Uh, their defense is improving. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and can we? I mean, good. Ryan and I both picked Maryland to be dog meat this year, like two, three wins. Clearly, they're better than that. But l- let's rewind. Two weeks ago, everybody's like, "Yep, they're going to beat Iowa," and they got throttled by an Iowa team that doesn't score. And then they gave up sixty plus to Ohio State. I think there's something like a hundred and eighteen points they've given up, or one hundred and seventeen points in the last two games. Mm-hmm. So, can we get over the Maryland as a contender thing? I mean. Clearly, they're a contender when they play, and their best win really was West Virginia, who's two and four. 
Yeah. Just because West Virginia gave Oklahoma a run doesn't mean that, you know, they were world beaters. So I think Maryland has come crashing back to earth. They got to buy this week to lick their wounds. But yeah, Ohio State's getting it right. Their offense is kind of getting in sync. The defense, you know, that's a little bit of a softy game to, to play Maryland. Um, you know, the way their schedule is going. You know, a week after they pounded Rutgers, you know, we saw with the Michigan State game, we'll talk about them in a minute, but um, yeah, we can we can probably put them, the Terps, to bed. Maybe they'll get to a bowl game, but we can, can we stop lauding them already? And let's talk, Ryan, about, I would say my team of the week, just because it was the typical game that Michigan State in the past would have lost. I, I got to go with Michigan State. I mean, Michigan probably co-team of the week just for what they did at... Um, you know Nebraska, but the way Michigan State went into to Rutgers and what they did, only the fifth program ever to have a 300-yard passer, 200-yard rusher, 200-yard receiving guy in the same game. Um, I mean, if Kenneth Walker is not on your Heisman radar list now, you're crazy. Um, I mean, he leads the nation. I think he's the only guy over 800 yards in the country, I read, and he has 913 in that 94-yard run. Just, I mean, he had everything in that that we talk about. He had the vision, he had the cutback, he had the strength, he had power, you know, he had speed, and I mean, breakaway speed. Nobody was within 20 yards of him at the end. He's dapping up, dapping up Naylor. He's waving goodbye. I mean, nuts. And how about Flea Flicker U from Michigan State? I mean, that's the third Flea Flicker touchdown that they've had this year. You can't just defend Jaden Reed and leave Naylor. So what are you going to do? And then you got Trey Mosley, who's a really good everything. possession receiver. And and not like, you know, just across the middle catches, but like downfield catches. I don't think he's gotten in the end zone yet. But, I mean, those three are so good that they don't even ever play the backups. But what do you do as a defense? Take away Reed, double Reed, fine. We'll go get Naylor like we did three times for 60-plus yards in that game. You want to take away Naylor with a double team? Fine, we'll get you with Reed. You want to put eight men in the box to stop Walker? Fine, we'll burn you with Reed or Naylor. I mean, it's it, it's a thing of beauty for Michigan State fans because we have not seen an offense like no. that. And I mean, the what comes to mind for me, and it was on a not it was on a horribly coached team, probably with a good amount of talent, but was Jeff Smoker, Charles Rogers, T.J. Duckett, and I think maybe at the time they had Chris Baker, who was a tight end. I mean. I think back to that Silicon Valley Bowl, Duckett, I think, that was a game that was probably close. Duckett had close to 200 yards. Rodgers had, I think, over 200 yards receiving. And Smoker was a really good quarterback. You know, that was before everything kind of fell apart on them, um, you know, in 2002. But I honestly, I can't remember so many weapons that have to keep a defense honest. And that's why I think, now, yeah, I saw somewhere this week Mandel or somebody had Michigan State third in his college football playoff. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, look. I'll be, I'll be mad if Michigan State doesn't win at least eight games and, and probably nine. Uh, I'll be thrilled if they win any more than that. But wouldn't surprise me if they beat anybody else on the schedule. I mean, nobody scares me on the schedule with the balance that Michigan State has. And yeah, I mean, are there some gaps and holes? Yeah, the defense I thought was not nearly as good without Halliday in the first half as they were in the second half. But you know, they all of a sudden we have another defensive back step in. Um, that had been hurt and played really well. So I think that that's shoring up a little bit. I mean, Gross and Henderson are really, really good safeties. It seems like snow is kind of taken over. I mean, the rotation on the D-line, so they bend a lot. They give up a ton of yards, but 
when you comes down to it, I mean, they held Rutgers the two red zone field goals in that game too. So, and one of them was on a giveaway, you know, on a on a fumble that dumbass tackle tried to scoop and score on, like just fall on the ball, dude. So, I mean, that's my team of the week, and pick any of those Thorn Naylor Walker as your player of the player of the week, but. Um, Ryan, let's get your thoughts on that one too. Yeah, echo everything you say. I'm just so, it's, I wouldn't say surprised. I'm just like blown away, I guess, um, with how Michigan State's been. I mean, four wins is projected total by a lot of the betting things. Like yeah, four and a half was the over I mean, under I got. I, we said six or seven wins would be really, <coughs> would be really good. Um, Constitute is a really good season for Michigan State, and they're already at six. Uh, they're already bowling, and that means they're striving for more. And I, I think they can do that. I mean, they can beat everyone the rest of the way. They could lose everyone the rest of the way. I mean, it's not not going to be easy by any stretch. Um, but yeah, I mean, Peyton Thorne. Let's talk about him. I mean, it was a quarterback competition coming to the year. We weren't sure he was going to be the starter. Um, I always thought it was going to be Thorne um, because of how he played at the end of last year and just his football smarts and I mean the guy continues to impress he's thrown two picks 14 touchdowns um his deep ball is impressed has impressed me a lot I mean last year in his small frame of playing he didn't really throw any deep balls his deep ball is really good he's pretty Mm -hmm. accurate doesn't really make many mistakes um he can run a little bit uh he's and that's your quarterback for the next three years which is really really good um and I'm really excited about um and Michigan State's D line, I mean, they're getting pressure with a four man rush almost. No every blitzes. Time. Barely rarely a blitz. Rutgers. You got a form I mean, they knew that they could just push them around. And that's with young guys in the D line. I mean Petrowski's a red shirt freshman. Barrow's a red shirt freshman that sat out last year, didn't even do anything because of COVID. He was he was an opt out. Slade's young. Mallory's young. Hunt's young. Got I mean, six guys rotating at D tackle. Fletcher's like young at the right now at the end. It's yeah. quite impressive to me. Um, excited for the future, and you know Tucker is going to go back into the portal again. He's going to get guys that ready to play. I'm sure there's going to be attrition uh, with guys that think they should be playing in the portal, but it's all right. We'll reload. Got a really good class coming in. It could be special for Michigan State here, um, getting up a lot quicker than many thought, and including me. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely impressed with the performance. And just Tucker's. Attitude, you know, each game, like, look, we've got things, we still haven't played a 60 minute game, we've got things to get better at. Um, you know, yeah, of course, a lot of that is coach speak, but it, you know, as a, as a Michigan State fan, it puts your mind at ease because you just know he's got these guys' attention and he's got them focused. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't mess around with the, with the tomfoolery. You know, he's about the neutral thinking, so let's not get too high, let's not get too low. You know, next play, next play, next play. And, um, you know, it's working. Guys are bought in. And, you know, like Ryan said, there's gonna is there going to be attrition? Yes, there's going to be everywhere from now on. The, the next guy up always thinks he's going to have a shot to play, and, and that's just going to be the new norm. And, you know, you're not always going to strike gold with a Kenneth Walker. Um, and you're going to develop guys in your program like Peyton Thorne. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a mix of that um, over or Jalen Naylor over the course of time. Um, but, you know, Michigan State fans have got to be thrilled with where it's going because you know, I mean, to go 500 the rest of the way is a nine and three record, and that is extremely doable, if not better. Um, you know, anything better than that's even more gravy on top. We both picked them seven and five. You know, I mean, I think Michigan has has been equally as surprising. That's the, the probably the longest look I've had at Michigan the other night since they played 
Um, Washington, Nebraska is probably the be- are arguably the best team that they've played, better than even Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, you know, they overcame some adversity there, so we'll we'll see. I mean, they've got this week off, then they've got Northwestern, which will be a dub, and then they've you know then they got to play Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, three of the last five games. Um, you know, so kind of rubber meets the road. They're really for the entire East. I mean, if you look at it from the end of November through or the end of October through the end of November, those four teams Ryan mentioned, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, play each other, everybody. Um, it's going to get crazy, and it's it's going to be – Iowa's just going to sit back there smoking a cigar in the West because they're, they're not going to get tested probably by anybody, and they're just going to be wondering who they're going to play for a chance to get to the to the college football playoffs. So – Good on you, Big Ten. Off to a good start. Things are starting to fall into place for uh, teams as we expected. All right, let's move to the rest of college football. Another crazy week. More upsets. Um, Ryan, we'll let you get us started here This with uh, around the college football. Any other general thoughts that you had? Yeah, let's start with Bama. I mean, they seems like they haven't lost in a long time. Then they lose to A&M. 100 games in a row of, yeah. on the road against Saban unranked teams. Finally loses to an assistant, former assistant. Um, and Texas A&M was reeling a bit. I mean, playing pretty poor football, and they and at Kyle Field they get the win, huge win. Uh, Bama, I, they didn't look great from what I saw. I didn't watch too much of it, but uh, from what I read and saw, um, minimally they were not great at all. Um, yeah, so I mean, it just shows that like anything can happen this year, which is really cool. Um, stay in the SEC. Ole Miss, Arkansas, really good. So the end of that game. Arkansas went for two in the win. I love that. The guts there didn't get it. Ole Miss survived. I mean, those a great two, comeback, though. I mean, 52-51. Two what very, very good teams um, in the SEC West. Go figure. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, then you got Kentucky, kind of think more than handled Kentucky LSU. Um, you know, Georgia <clears throat> handled Auburn on the road. You know, some thought that would maybe be a little bit of a test. You got Georgia-Kentucky this week. You know, in basketball, you'd think that was a big game, not in football. Um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, – it's the SEC's getting nuts. ACC's garbage. Um, Wake is still the best team. They found a way to pull it out against Syracuse. You know, the Big Ten is great. The Pac-12 is a mess. Um, you know, I mean, Arizona State's probably arguably the best team aside from Oregon there. Don't know that either of them really have a shot at the playoffs. Cincinnati's in control of their own destiny. They just have to keep playing hard, um, you know, and win out. And I don't think they have a margin for error as a as a um, non-power five. But one thing, I meant to bring this up last week that I wanted to bring up this week. So Thursday nights are great for football fans because, you know, you get the NFL game, and then you usually get a pretty good um, matchup on ESPN. And I think it's really ACC games, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The last two weeks, now mind you, the ESPN college football game starts at 7.30. So let's just say with TV it's like 7.35 or something. And the NFL starts at, I think, 8.15. Am I right, Ryan? Yeah. The, when you watch, and we flip back and forth between those games, by the time you get to the fourth quarter, the NFL game is caught up to the college game. That's ridiculous. They get a 45-minute head start, and... We've talked about this before in the pod about how long college games are. I mean, seriously, fix that. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how college games can be forty-five to fifty-five minutes longer than a pro game. 
that's just something I've noticed the last couple Thursdays watching TV, um, you know, watching games. But, <coughs> yeah, last week, though, field rushes, you had Texas A&M, sweet field rush. You had Iowa, great field rush. That's a big win. I mean, two powerhouse teams going at it. Penn State's kind of had Iowa's number lately. Um, then you had UMass beating UConn. UConn may never win a football game again. No. UMass had lost a ton in a row. So that was like, you know, re- reminded me of my days at Michigan State when we were not very good, especially my freshman year, and we decided to start rushing the field every time we won a game. Um, that was kind of UMass. Um, but college football, man, it's getting crazy. The weekend that I'm looking for is a couple weeks. November 30th, in the Big Ten alone, you got Ohio State, Penn State, you got Michigan, Michigan State, and you got Iowa, Wisconsin, I think it is, right? Yes. Um, I mean, those are the six best teams, arguably, <clears throat> minus maybe Nebraska in the West, um, all in one weekend. And then that's right before they do the first CFP unveil. So I think we've got a wild ride coming. There's going to be plenty of speculation, plenty of teams moving in and out of that spot. Um, I think the one sure thing is probably Georgia's pretty well a lock to be in the college football playoff unless something happens drastic maybe this weekend or when they play Florida because I think they also play Florida on October 30th. Yep. Um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get wild and crazy in college football, and then what we get to do is start to sprinkle some hoops on top of it for during the week, and it is going to be a sweet, sweet thing. All right, <clears throat> moving on to third down. Let's uh, move to the NFL Already gave you my peace of mind on the on the Raiders situation. One thing I wanted to call attention to, and then I'm going to let Ryan take over with some thoughts. He probably follows the NFL even a little bit closer than me. But if you watch last, I think it was the Thursday night game last week. Maybe it was a Monday night game. Oakland, San Diego. I think it was Monday night game. Um, Hunter Renfro go back for a punt, and San Diego fakes it. So this was not this past Monday, but the yeah, Monday before, two Mondays ago. Um, and reads the play and just lays on a perfect form tackle. I mean, it was like a pure thing of football beauty that I meant to call out last week in the pod and I forgot to. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fun to see good plays like that and not all just, you know, offensive plays, although obviously offense wins and that's, that, that's the fun part of the game. But um, the only other thing i got to say is, Ryan mentioned it in his open with the Lions. I believe I read that they are the only team in NFL history to lose twice in the same season on 50-yard-plus field goals at the mm-hmm. at the buzzer. Yeah. Um, I mean, talk about another kick in the, the gut. Didn't see any of it. We were playing golf. We'll get to that on fourth down, but... Take it away, Ryan. Talk, talk to us about the NFL. Yeah, another great weekend. It's been wonderful. Uh, the watch lines, like I said earlier, choke again. Um, just finding new ways to lose. Uh, Bills and Chargers, I think, are two of the better teams in the NFL uh, right now, both with impressive wins. Bills over Chiefs and then Chargers over the Browns, um, who are also no, no slouches either. Uh, Packers and Bengals game was crazy. A lot of missed field goals in the search, and then the Bengals think they make the game because yeah, they hit the flag, even though he didn't hit the Crosby was like the Lions game a couple years ago. He missed like three kicks in a row. They finally got redemption, but um, mm. yeah, just crazy ending there. The team that has very has impressed me, a uh, team that I do not care for at all, but they have impressed me this season. That's the Cowboys. Um, offensively, they're great. I mean, Dak's been back to his normal self. Zeke's even playing better. Tony Pollard's a nice two back there. And then Cooper, CD, 
uh, Schultz and then Micah Jarwin Parsons leave. moving from linebacker to DN to yeah, fill they, a and injury defense, gap. which was the worst <laughs> in the NFL last year, is now one of the best. Dan Quinn took over, um, doing a great job there. Um, yeah, they look really good. I mean, in the we I thought it was maybe a mirage when it was close against the Buccaneers because of the first game, but they've proven um, ever since then that they're for real um, and they're going to be a contender um, in the NFL this year. The Colts are on the ropes. They're one and four, I believe. Not good. Um, when Blew a big lead, twenty-two to three. Yeah, the Ravens are just finding ways to win, which is good for them, but also bad because they they have a lot of talent. Uh, but yeah, those are the games that kind of stuck out to me. I mean, the Bears are looking good. And I think they're three and two after kind of a rocky start. Field is now the starter. Could get interesting, but I don't think. I mean, the Packers. It's the Packers. And everyone else in the NFC North. Seahawks could be in some could trouble. Be in trouble. With yeah, I forgot about that. Wilson I mean, going down. Yeah, Wilson's um, down in the Thursday night game last yeah, Gino, week. Gino, the Gino time. Rams look really good though. Stafford's doing great. <clears throat> Cardinals are undefeated with Kyler. Trey Lance sprains his knee in his first start because Garoppolo got hurt. So I mean, yeah, of course, why not? You know, yeah, it, 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 they they shipped the two. Most boring teams over to London last week, the Falcons and the Jets. Uh, Falcons won that game. Um, yeah, still some good things going on in the NFL. Again, I'm, I'm uh, a little miffed at, at them for the way this whole thing went down for something 10 years ago, so they can kind of bite me a little bit. But um, maybe I, who do the Lions have this week? I don't even know. Bengals. Bengals, yeah. I just, I mean, hey, look, they probably should have beaten the Ravens. They probably should have beaten the Vikings. You know, they've been competitive and had a shot in some way, shape, or form in every game, which you want to take as a moral victory, but this is a business and it's pro football and there ain't no moral victories. And I think Dan Campbell would agree with that. But, I mean, they also have guys dropping like flies lately. And Ragnall is now out for the season. You know, they um, one of their defensive ends or something went out. Or was out out a couple weeks ago. Um, So it's not looking like it's going to get any better, but – as long as they can scrap and claw and fight, I mean, I think he's not going to lose guys in the locker room for sure. Um, not like some teams that would just be like, all right, let's just go 0-17, so what, let's be in the record books. Um, but, yeah, that's that's the NFL at a glance. Fourth down, and then we'll get back in for our two-minute drill with our picks, but fourth down, we got to switch gears and go back to golf. Probably the last, well, it's going to be the last new course I'm sure we play this year. Maybe not the last round of golf we play with the way it's been here in October in Michigan, but... American Dunes, Grand Haven, Michigan, formerly Grand Haven Golf Club. If you don't know the story of American Dunes, uh, it, first of all, it's a must play. Um, so a group of guys, well, Dan Rooney, who I think is like a lieutenant mm-hmm. um, fighter pilot in the Air Force or something like that. Well, I, I might have that wrong, but whatever he is. The story is, and I think this happened in Grand Rapids, he was on a plane and the captain came on as they landed, and they were at the gate, and they said, you know, out of respect for, you know, whatever the person's rank was and the soldier's name was, and his family, where nobody's going to deboard the plane and, except for his brother while we wait for his remains to be taken out of the cargo hold. And he looked out the window on a rainy day and watched his family just in tears, you know, accept the casket of their military son. Um, you know, and he carried that with him. And I don't know if this was on the same trip or the same year, I'd have to get my story a little bit straighter, but I do know in 2006, Rooney and a bunch of buddies, a lot, like 50-some guys I think it was, went and they randomly played, maybe not randomly, but they played Grand Haven Golf Club, um, you know, and they decided, 
you know, I think he told that story, and they kind of decided that they, they that they needed to do something to honor the families of the lost soldiers, and that's where Folds of Honor was born. Um, and Folds of Honor is basically um, it's a, a a charity that provides for the education of fallen soldiers. So the whole premise of American Dunes, you know, a couple of years ago, I think they came in with this this thought that let's let's take this golf course, which was a good golf course, Grand Haven Golf Course, if you're a golf club, if you ever played it, um, you know, let's take it and let's just like really revamp it and make it a destination. And they worked with Jack Nicklaus and the course is spectacular. It's not like it's on Lake Michigan, but it is all dunes. Um, it is every bit of its name. You walk in, there's you know a whole walkway you got to drop your clubs at the front because you can't take them through the back way to the cart place um and they've got you know just like little placards of the stories of soldiers of how they were lost when they were lost and how folds of honor has helped you know one two i think one story i read on a whole was five kids you know where they took care of the education for these kids you know bronze boot prints that are you know embedded in the ground of the same soldiers just you know, are very, it's, it's peaceful and serene and it's, you know, somewhat sobering at the same time because you know what these soldiers did for us. Some were more in combat, some were just, you know, while they were on missions, but they were not necessarily combat, that they were accidents. Um, phenomenal facility, great restaurant. <clears throat> I mean, first class everything, really, even down to the fact that Ryan noticed first that they play loops of Caddyshack quotes in the mm-hmm. men's bathroom. He's like, I thought I heard somebody talking, and it was, you know, they were playing quotes from Caddyshack. Uh, red, white, and blue carts. Every hole, the the tee markers um, are, you know, based on the theme of the course. You know, the tees are jet, valor, freedom, uh, honor, and then bear for, for Jack. Every hole has a placard that honors one of Jack Nicklaus's majors in chronological order from oldest to the most recent, and then they also honor a soldier and tell a story. Um, you know, they they tell you the story of why. The, you know, I don't want to give it all away, but I mean, they give you they give everybody a nickel at the beginning, and they tell you that you know it's military custom that when soldiers get sent off, their family and their friends they toss a nickel onto the ground, and that's a symbolic of all the prayers and the thoughts for the soldiers when they depart and you hang on to that nickel until the 18th hole when there's a cross and then the video just plays on the on the on the cart that explains the the tradition and you toss your nickel on the ground i mean they have all of it figured out from that it is it was a little bit of a slower round for us and usually that bothers ryan and i but it was i mean every single bit of it was first class you know jack would pop onto the, the gps screen when you're kind of driving between shots, especially on longer holes, and tell you about something in a major, you'd have a family come on and thank you for your support because all the proceeds go to from the pro shop and from the golf, um, go to Folds of Honor, and they would tell you why they thank you, you know, about their their dad or their mom that they lost, and and thank you for that. Um, and the golf course itself is fantastic. Like it'd be one thing if the experience was like that. The experience alone is worth it. But Ryan and I were talking, I mean, I would be hard-pressed to find many courses in Michigan that I've played or anywhere that are better. I mean, it's it's that good of a course. It was, 
you know, and it was even had been aerated fairly probably a few weeks before, mm-hmm. but the greens rolled. I mean, it was it was great. I don't want to steal all of it, so Ryan, I, let's get your perspective on the yeah, uh, just a really fun course to play. Uh, this everything around it, the the military salute and all that good stuff. So so cool, uh, <clears throat> makes you appreciate uh, our country and those who have fought for us. Um, but yeah, this to the golf side, I mean, unbelievable. Such a good shit. I mean, we played other Jack Nicholas courses, and they've been pretty hard. Um, this one was it was it was difficult, no lot, no doubt about that, but not unfair by right. any stretch of the imagination. Especially compared to like a Harbor Shores, that would be one right. with the ridiculously hard greens. The greens here were actually pretty small; they weren't like impossible to hold or anything like that. Right, yeah, just really, really, <clears throat> it, it was very playable, which is fun. Um, yeah, there's all the holes were great. I mean, a mix of short and long. Um, hills, down, uphill, downhill, you name it. Um, yeah, just so tons fun. of sand. No question yeah, a lot about of sand. that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I went in there a couple times, but yeah, definitely one of my new favorite courses uh, that I've played. Um, just uh, so fun, and it all goes to a, such a good cause, which makes it even better. Um, Speakers on the golf cart, so they encourage you to listen to music. Yeah, it's a, it's um, a good place. Very you know, aggressive. It's, <coughs> Excuse me, casual and laid back. GPS system on the carts was was to the nines too. I mean, I, I was trying to. A lot of times, I'll try to compare courses, and I think Ryan and I were coming up with a bunch. I mean, it had a little bit of what's the one that we played in South Haven? Hawkshead. It had a little bit of the ravines. It had the, the three dunes holes of Harbor Shores. It had a little bit of Pilgrim's Run. It has a little bit of Thousand Oaks for you know for all of our West Michigan people that are familiar with those courses, but yet it's uniquely its own, um, you know. And it, like Ryan said, not we played what the Freedom I think it was. The card is small, and I need glasses like sixty one, sixty two hundred yards, so not super long per se, but tough. Like you know, there were a lot of tough shots out there, and. Trouble, but not impossible, right? Like, most of, most of your trouble was in sand or, like, dune grass in the sand. Um, I just, you know, for us, we paid, uh, presumably, a fall rate, $100 a person. You know, usually at this time of the year, stuff would be a lot cheaper, but worth every penny of it. Um, minus maybe that head cover that Ryan sprung for in the pro shop. <laughs> they didn't look at a price tag on first. That was a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, even at full rate, it's 150 and, I mean, I've played plenty of other courses that are you know north of that and this was this was well worth it so if you get a chance and you can get a tee time I would highly recommend it I mean it is it is a great golf course it's hard to rate the greens at this time of the year just because you know again they'd been punched at some point but considering they'd been punched fairly recently they rolled really well um you know scenery was fantastic um trying to think of some of the other things that we usually rate on variety yeah, you know, variety. Best hole. I mean, scenery was really good. There's, there's just so many. There's one par five that when you tee off, it feels like it's, it's a, mile. a mile long, and it's really, it's that's actually only like a 500 yard par five, but it goes back into the woods. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't remember if we gave Har- Harbor Town fives across the board. Um, if we did, this is a very close second for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of this year for sure, Arcadia Bluffs is still my favorite in Michigan, and probably you know until I play Whistling Straits, will probably still be my overall favorite. But this definitely moved in the top five for me, maybe even the top three. It's that good. Yeah, completely agree. Definitely, 
one of my favorites now. Um, definitely would recommend it. All right. Four downs out of the way. Let's go to the two-minute drill, which means it's pick time. Yep. Um, not as many Big Ten games again this week. So threw in some NFL, some other some other college games in there. But um, last week, uh, looking at the thing, uh, we both went 10-1 and one, um, out of the 11 games, of course. Um, so I'm 72-12 and 12 on the year. You're 69-15. Uh, close race there. I think we're doing pretty good. That's pretty good yeah, percentage. Pretty good. Uh, we both yeah. took a couple of flyers last week, and I think we both got bid on those. I had Nebraska, you had Illinois, I think. Yeah. Um, week seven, uh, critical week, um, as is every week, but now even more so because we're over the halfway point for most teams. So Nebraska versus Minnesota um, could be a good one. Um, Minnesota's very banged up. Nebraska showed last week that they are getting better. I'm going to go with the Cornhuskers. Yeah, I'm going to go with that too. I mean, I think that... They've got a chance, um, you know, going before a week before a bye <coughs> to, to kind of see how things can go a little bit for them and change up. Um, Minnesota lost their second running back for the season. Don't know what it was, but he had been left at in West Lafayette for a week with an injury, so it must have been obviously something pretty serious. Um, but, yeah, I got, I got Nebraska. I think they're going to bounce back and be kind of like a maybe not quite what they did to Northwestern, but probably pretty close. Michigan State, IU, uh, Michigan State going down to Bloomington. Uh, could be a bit of a trap game, but I also said that last week. And I always I said before the Rutgers game, if Michigan State beats Rutgers, they're going to beat Indiana. I still think that's going to be true. I think it'll be grinder out game, probably 20, like 28-20-ish range. I think Michigan State gets the win 7-0, going to a bye week with Michigan on the clock. Yeah, Indiana, decent defense, but no Penix. I mean, they had last week off to kind of get right. I mean, Penix, I suppose, might play, but I don't think so with a separated shoulder. You know, Tuttle's got some experience. I just don't think Indiana's got the horses that they had last year, um, you know, to kind of complement the rest of their offense. And even though their defense is a little bit better, um, (coughs) I think Michigan State kind of got their pre-Michigan scare in Nebraska. Mel got their attention. Um, I don't know that it'll be a blowout. I think maybe right now Michigan State's a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but I think it'll be a touchdown to a 10-point win. Uh, for the Spartans. Uh, Rutgers Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern is not good at all. Uh, Rutgers showed some stuff last week, not against Ohio State, but also showed some stuff against Michigan. I'm going to go Rutgers. Uh, I think they get the win. Yeah, I'm going to go the same thing. And interestingly here, that's um, contrary to our master schedule picks. We had Rutgers losing to Northwestern. We had Michigan State losing to Indiana. And we had Minnesota beating Nebraska, and we're going against that. And I'm with you. I think Rutgers gets Northwestern this weekend. Purdue, Iowa. Um, Iowa's defense is too good. They'll probably force six or seven picks. Um, so we'll go Iowa. Yeah, Iowa could be down a little let down. Wouldn't surprise me if this game is closer than expected. I want to say Purdue got Iowa last year, actually. Uh, yeah, one of those first did. early season losses for Iowa before they ended on a 5-0 streak, and then, you know, they're whatever they are, 6-0 since. So, I think they're on an 11-game winning streak, but I agree. I think Iowa gets Purdue, especially because it's at uh, at Kinnick. Uh, Army, Wisconsin. <laughs> Army's been in uh, all these games. I mean, they went overtime with Michigan. They went to over, it was close, maybe not overtime, but it was close. Went to overtime with Oklahoma a few years ago. I think this is the one where they break through. I don't think Wisconsin's great. I think Army can kind of dominate the line of scrimmage with their run game. I think Army's going to get the win here and 
little bit of an upset, I guess we'd call it. I will tell you this. I didn't think of Wisconsin's 11.5 point favorite. I am rooting for Army. Even I'm rooting against my own pick, but because i got to try to catch up with Ryan, I'm going to pick Wisconsin here. I think Wisconsin probably found a couple things back to earth last week. They need to, they need some momentum. They've not done better than one. You know, They need a two-game winning streak. Um, I think that they'll get it done, but I do think it will be a close game. Texas, Oklahoma State. Um, Texas is going to be beaten down after last <clears throat> week. Oklahoma State's playing well. Go Cowboys. I think Texas is going to get this. I mean, they blew a huge, a huge lead last week, certainly. But I think that they showed a few t- things. You know, they're wounded. They've got two losses. They can't afford much more to, you know, and, and they want to stay in the mix and get a rematch with Oklahoma potentially in the um, Big Twelve championship game. So I'm going to go with Texas here. Uh, Kentucky, Georgia. Uh, Kentucky finds himself undefeated. Bit of a surprise, big surprise actually. Um, at Georgia, I, I just don't. Twenty-two and a half point going any other way. Like that, I, think. I think Kentucky will cover that, but I, I mm. George is too good. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think I, Kentucky might stick around for a little bit, but Georgia's defense is so good, and I, I mean, Kentucky beat Florida, which is great, but how good is Florida? I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I got Georgia here too. Uh, Arkansas, Auburn, uh, Auburn has been Jekyll and Hyde this year. I mean, played well in some games, not played well in others. Arkansas. Close one last week. I think they have a sour taste in their mouth, and they come out and they kind of beat the brakes off. Is this game Auburn. at Auburn or at Arkansas? I, I'm not sure where it is. That makes a little bit of a difference for me, but um, boy, I think Arkansas, even though they've lost, you know, they got pounded by Georgia, they had a tough loss to Ole Miss. I think they're a better team than Auburn, so I'm going to go Arkansas as well. NFL time, Lions, Bengals. I'm not even going to pick the Lions anymore. Bengals, <clears throat> Bengals, not even close. Uh, Cardinals-Browns could be a good one. Cardinals' last undefeated team left in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think the Browns are very good, but the Cardinals, I think, until they lose, I I can't pick against them. We know them. where that one is? I believe it's in out west. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'll go with Arizona on that one as well. Uh, Bills-Titans. Uh, <clears throat> Titans have been so-so. Bills, I think, are the best team in the NFL right now. I'm going with Buffalo. Yeah, Bills are racking up points. Their defense is good. I, and until proven otherwise, I'm riding the Bills, too. All right, that's this week. Um, not as many games, but still got some. I got, a chance, I got a chance to get you on one of them and make up that three-game ground. Okay, close the gap. Little by little. All right, as we always do, let's end with a sprint. We're running a little bit quicker this week than we have in the past, which is probably good for my voice. All right, Ryan. Rather be able to drive it like Bryson or stripe irons like Morikawa. Oh, definitely. I'd rather stripe it because Bryson is so wayward off the tee. I'd rather hit those irons like Mr. Mr. Collin there. Rather see a game at Nebraska, Wisconsin, or Iowa. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, I'd say Iowa. I feel like that's a really good atmosphere. I mean, they're all great, but Iowa, I feel like no matter what, it's good. The they know how to stripe a stadium, too. Yeah, man. they do. They're the black and gold. Um, better quarterback, running back, two-wide receiver combo. Cook, Langford, Lippitt, Mumphreys, or Thorn, Walker, Naylor, Reed? Yeah, I got to go with, with Thorn, Walker, Naylor, Reed. I mean... Cook and Langford were great. I think I think the difference there in Lippitt was great, but I think the difference there is the two receivers are better mm. um, as a whole than those other two. And 
Ten foot putt to win you one million dollars. Who do you want taking it? I gotta go with Tiger. I mean, he's hit so many clutch putts in his career. I'll go with Tiger. All right, rather be able to drive it like Bryson or stripe irons like Morikawa. Um, well, considering I could do neither, although I drove it pretty well at at American Dunes, and then I couldn't hit an iron for squat. I gotta agree, probably just as long as you bunt me out in the fairway. But if I can stripe along, you know, an iron 170 yards to the green, give my putter the flat stick a chance. Uh, I'll take the iron game like Morikawa as well. Um, rather see a game, boy. I mean, all those are tough. You got tradition. Nebraska's got something like a 300. I don't even know how many games. I want to say it's, it's either 349 or 394. I could be dyslexic there. But sellout streak, like 40-some years. And I don't know. I heard that they really roll out the red carpet for people. They're pretty good good fans. You probably have a mean stake at a tailgate. I'm going to go Nebraska in my order of preference there. That better quarterback, running back, two-wide receiver combo. I agree with Ryan. I mean, I at this point... It's hard to argue that who's better, Cook or Thorne. I mean, I think Thorne maybe potentially has more upside, but they're both kind of started at the same time, you know, kind of burst onto the scene early in their career. You know, Langford was a guy that bounced around to a lot of positions. Walker kind of came in with some with some attention. Um, I think Walker is one of the best running backs I've seen in college football in a long time, to be honest with you. Um, and then the receivers, yeah, I think is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, even Lippett was a two-way player then. Mumphrey was moved around quite a bit. I think he played a little D-back too. So I think this year's combo is is the best and probably one of the better ones that uh, um, Michigan State has probably ever had and maybe ever will. Um, and 10-foot putt to win me a million bucks. Boy, it's hard to argue with Tiger. I think I might go with... I think I might go with Jordan Spieth just because he's pretty clutch from 10 to 20. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made a lot of those putts in his young career. Tiger's got a little bit more experience, but I'm willing to to take a million and and you know take the risk that Jordan Speed's going to make that putt for me. All right, Ryan, wrap us up with some social media and other thoughts. Yep, uh, follow us on Twitter at <laughs> Final Score Thirty Five. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. I mean, keep giving us your stuff. We're looking forward to hoops, um, baseball playoffs getting hot and heavy, uh, college football as well. NFL, it's great, good time, great time to be alive. Yep, with all the sports going. Keep on. engaging with us on social media. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Football is just heating up. Basketball is gonna get going. I mean, it's a great, great time to be a sports fan. Plenty to talk about. We don't have to tap into our list of off-season topics here for quite a while now, which is great. Um, and if you got anything else in particular, you got any ideas, you got some thoughts you want to weigh in on and have a share, text us. Tweet us, whatever, um, we'll weave you into the podcast as well. So well, I'm with that, I want to give a, a second shout-out to our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realtors, uh, for the support that they give the program. You need anything realty-wise in West Michigan, TeamAnders.com and Team Anders, they're your team. <clears throat> Meantime, as Dylan Panther coach Taylor once said, We will all at some time in our lives fall. Life is so very fragile, we are all vulnerable, and we will all at some point in our lives fall. We will all fall. We must carry this in our hearts, that what we have is special, that it can be taken from us, and that when it is taken from us, we will be tested. We will be tested to our very souls. We will all be tested. It is these times, it is this pain, 
that allows us to look inside ourselves. Matt, we're pulling for you. Get well. We'll talk to you next week.